Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome in to episode 215 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. The Sources Say Podcast is presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. That's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I am fantastic, Jack. How are you? Oh, hanging in there. It appears you are on the road. It says you're you're scouting a little bit for, for your team. It's where the, the heat of basketball season. So you are uh, in the heat of your basketball season. Kentucky is in the heat of its basketball season. Uh, we're going to be previewing uh, the Kansas, the Kentucky State exhibition game on Thursday. What we liked uh, uh, specifically about Kentucky's uh, thir- fifty-six to thirty-eight win over Missouri Western in the first exhibition game. What went well? What didn't? Why the offense struggled a little bit? Why the defense turned heads? Individual standouts, all that good stuff. Um, but Sean, I, I want to start the show. Obviously, the the kind of big news today um, that UK has not officially announced yet, but um, you know, a couple of different people are putting it out there and, and Damien, he put it on his uh, own personal private uh, social media. I believe he's on a Snapchat page, but um, the news that Damien lost his dad um, very unexpectedly. And it's really, really tough to hear. Um, I got, you know, fairly close with Damien, Damien's dad during the recruiting process, talked to him a little bit leading up to his commitment. And then, you know, obviously since then, and, you know, just catching up with him, uh, about, you know, the draft decision, you know, did he, was he going to enter the transfer portal? You know, all the buzz uh, that comes with every Kentucky basketball player ever, every off season, uh, talked to him quite a bit. And he was always very, very good to me. Incredible, incredible, incredible guy. Uh, always made me laugh, Sean. Um, just, uh, you know, Southern, Southern guy from, from Texas owns a big old truck and talks about, you know, owning a ranch and, you know, horseback riding and, and all those good things. So we we always had a bunch of awesome talks, and he was always very very good to me. So I just wanted to start the show and just uh, give, give my prayers out to Damien and his family. Um, just absolutely tragic news. I, I I know that they were very 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 close. Um, you know, talking to just a, a bunch of different people and knowing their their story and their situation. Sean, uh, they were like best friends, um, like like brothers. You know, I talked to Kason's dad earlier today. Uh, Kaysen and Damien are, are cousins and, um, you know, Kaysen's dad was pretty shaken up too. just really, uh, really difficult day for, um, for, you know, Damien and his family. And I just wanted to make sure that we started this show off and, and, you know, give uh, the things that actually matter. And, and that's, that clearly matters infinitely more than any exhibition game or uh, even the basketball season as a whole. It does. Very, very sad news. Uh, I didn't know about it until you texted me about an hour ago and, and told me, and it, I mean, it, it shocked me. So, yes, yeah, a super nice guy. I know you and I stood with, uh, I think, with him in Memphis and had a conversation with him at the Iverson Classic, and that's the first time I'd ever been around him and his personality and stuff. He was a, a really funny, outgoing person, and uh, I hate this for Damien. Uh, my thoughts and prayers are with Damien, his family, and uh, – Definitely probably shaking up the entire Kentucky basketball team, honestly. Yeah. Um, one thing I really appreciate about him, he was always just really realistic about Damian, this incredible, um, you, you know, role model for him and, and you know, to help with decision making and things like that. Uh, you know, never wanted to rush the process, always knew who Damian was and, and the potential side of things. He always knew, you know, yeah, he's going to be in the NBA one day. He's going to. Uh, you, you know, that potential is going to turn into production at some point. We are in no rush whatsoever to rush him through this process, push him to the NBA. Things didn't go as planned in year one. They didn't, you know, 
push him to you know hit the transfer portal and go somewhere else where he would get more minutes and shots and and, and a bigger opportunity. Uh, they were always very, you know, his dad was always very supportive of him and his basketball journey, just his growth and just understanding, you know, who he is as a basketball player and, and you know, just an incredible role model, um, you know, somebody that I just had infinite amount of respect for and um, just really, uh, really, you know, taking it hard, just just understanding, you know, the impact that he made and the, the relationship they had. So, um Again, prayers go out to Damian and his family. I know it's a tough day. And, I mean, the whole basketball team, I mean, goodness gracious, it just feels like every year there's a new new something that we have to talk about. You know, the you know the Terrence Clark tragedy, you know, last year, two years ago. And, uh, you know, just, you know, all, every – it just it feels like every year, Sean, there's something new. And it's just really, um, you know, Ben Jordan. It's all, all of it. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, I, hate, it's I hate to have to – do this but it you know it just it's life it's a it's a gut punch every single time because it's it's one of those things that you don't expect and uh like i said uh prayers for damien and uh we know that that team will put their arms around him that coaching staff will put their arms around him and uh you know help him get through this but uh just just awful news yeah absolutely well let's uh you know try to be you know turn this as positively as possible and, and, you know, break, break down the game as, as best we can. And, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, some, some positive stuff with the basketball game kind of coming up on Thursday and, you know, different takeaways from, from Sunday night's game. Uh, Kentucky wins 56, 38, Sean, not a, uh, a pretty performance in any stretch of the imagination. It was started out very, very slow, finished slow for the offense. Some, you know, some positive, Certainly things to take away. C.J. Frederick leading the way, 15 points, 5 of 8 shooting, 4 of 6 from 3. Uh, you know, Cal called him a special player after the game and didn't even bring up his shooting. And I thought that was a really impressive thing. Highlighted his passing, highlighted his defense and, uh, you know, decision-making. We've talked on the show several times that he just doesn't turn the ball over. and uh, Really always tries to make the right reads and, and do the right thing with the ball in his hands. So, uh, definitely he was the biggest standout for the Cats. Jacob Toppin did a lot of really impressive things. Ten points for him, four of nine shooting, six rebounds, uh, two assists. He did have three turnovers, but um, two steals as well in thir- a team-high 32 minutes. So those were easily the two biggest standouts. And then, obviously, uh, off the bench, Ugana uh, Onyenzo, five blocks. He, he follows up with what we really liked uh, from, from him in the blue-white game, follows it up with – Another five block performance. He told me that he wanted to be the best shot blocker in college basketball. Uh, he, he's certainly on his way. He certainly looks the part. So um, offensively, not a whole lot of positive takeaway, but there are a, a couple things to, uh, to to like and point out. There, there is, and it's an offense that will look significantly better when the national player of the year is inserted in there because they'll get a lot of those garbage baskets off offensive rebounds. He'll he'll create some space for some other guys with the the number of bodies that he'll occupy in the paint. So uh, I thought there were still some good things. I thought C.J. Frederick coming out there shooting the ball the way he did, that's obviously an important takeaway. Jacob Toppin shooting some turnaround jumpers late in the shot clock, showing the ability to go get his own. I think that's a big step up from last season. Uh, I thought Cason Wallace missed some shots that he will start to hit and stuff as the season gets going here over the next few weeks. But the attention to detail on the defensive end, that, that's the way you wanted to see Kentucky defend an opponent of that caliber and, and things like that. And I, I thought Kaysen was the tone setter on that end of the floor as well. So th- there were some good things hidden inside of a pretty boring 56-38 to 38 win. Like it, it, I, I know there were some people in the Bahamas, everybody's talking, oh, this, this team's great, this team's great. And then it comes down to uh, the first exhibition, and I see some people going, this team's not going to be very good. Like, <laughs> don't don't overreact to the first exhibition. We know that this team will end up being okay, and I expect them to look much better on Thursday. But th- there were some good things that we have to talk about from, from uh, Sunday night. So statistically, I guess, and, and you know, historically speaking, it was the uh, – the th- uh, third fewest points ever scored in an exhibition game for Kentucky and the fewest overall since 1948, Sean, uh, which was a matchup against the Phillips Oilers when UK scored 50 points in an outdoor game played at Stoll Field of all places. Apparently uh, somebody in the um, comment section, I think on, on our YouTube page uh, during our rapid reaction video uh, brought up that stat and said that it was the Phillips Oilers was you know something to do with the, 
1948 Olympics and that it, it was a you know a Olympic team kind of a professional uh, put together team uh, going into the Olympics. So it was actually pretty solid competition, all things considered. Um, you can't say the same about um, the Missouri uh, Western Griffins necessarily, but uh, still cool historical fact there. Uh, as disappointing as that was, uh, team defense was uh, very impressive. Uh, I believe it was the team's fewest points allowed in an exhibition game since UK allowed uh, 28 points against Transylvania back in 2012. And we know how that season ended, Sean. So very, very, very good things defensively, but uh, uh, not not so much to be happy about offensively. No, no, there's not a ton to be happy with offensively. Obviously, John Calipari did say just prior to that, like a week ago, that the offense was ahead of schedule. And then uh, it didn't look ahead of schedule when it got to Sunday night. But I thought the defense was a big takeaway for me. And I, as soon as Kaysen entered the game, Kentucky got significantly better defensively. On the ball, off the ball, his impact, like he guarded the ball the, with the same intensity from the first second he was on the floor to the last second he was on the floor. He's going to draw the opponents, the opposing team's best perimeter player every single night. And he has the ability to take somebody completely out of the game with a defensive effort. Like that is a game changer. When Xavier Wheeler's healthy, he can pressure 94 feet and things like that. Like this is going to be a very good defensive team in the backcourt. And I think it's also going to be a very good defensive team in the front court, which then put it up, put the two together and you got an elite defensive team in Kentucky. And I think that that's where they're going to be elite at is on the defensive end. You mentioned those blocks by on Yenso. If that is his role that he can just buy into and just do that one thing, you don't want to pigeonhole players, but when you're a, a young piece that's trying to kind of find their way in college basketball and, and build some consistency and some confidence, he knows that that's the one thing that he can do, and he's going to do it very well. His his instincts and stuff off his feet the other night were very impressive. Yeah, I mean, that that is a role that, you know, we've talked about this in the past. Cal is a guy that if you had – if you have one niche, if you have one thing that's kind of your calling card that there's nobody else on the floor better than you, than you at, you know, Oscar rebounding, you know, Savier is a playmaker, Kellen Grady is a shooter, you know, you go down the list, the specialty players always find their way onto the floor. And that is something. And if you go back to, to what Cal has been saying all offseason, the, the comments, if you listen really closely, he has brought up shot blocking almost constantly every time there's a microphone put in front of his face he has brought up shot blocking as the difference maker uh, and game changer for teams in terms of of national title contenders and some of the teams that he has had in the past that have struggled and haven't been able to go on runs to the final four uh the difference between those and the ones that have have been elite shot blocking he has gone out of his way several times to mention that and if you have a, a player of his caliber who blocks the shots the way Uganda does it kind of makes you think, you know, we keep going back and forth. Is he going to have a role on this team? What will his role be? Are they going to try to hold him out and, you know, have him be one of the last guys coming off the bench? Uh, when he, when you kind of put Cal's comments together with what we're seeing with our own two eyes with Ugana, it kind of makes you start to think that he's going to be pushing, pushing his way into the rotation. And, Sean, I think it's also worth noting, we saw our first platoon rotation from Coach Cal for the first time in what in years? I mean, I, I don't know if he experimented a little bit early on after the 2014-15 year, uh, Sean. But that was my first time I can remember in a long time that we saw a complete five out, five in, uh, and Ugo was included in that five out in that five in. So I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's Cal just well, getting creative, but I think it's worth noting. And we know that that was one of the the things that they missed defensively a year ago was that elite rim protection. And you, you've got it now. You've got a guy in, in him that can and do those things. So, to me, the ability to block those shots on the back end, it makes Kentucky even more elite defensively because these guards like Cason Wallace, Xavier Wheeler, whoever it is, can can they have the ability to now pressure the basketball at an even even more aggressive rate because they know they got that rim protector on the back side of that defense. That's what it does is that you don't have to be as conservative guarding the basketball. You you can take some chances because you can run these guys off the perimeter and into that length, and then you got transition opportunities the other way, which is another area that I think this team is going to be very good in the lead in, especially when it comes to C.J. Frederick and Antonio Reeves on the floor together running the floor. The way they stretch you out, Oscar Shibway getting back with rim runs, you add an elite shot blocker to the equation, even if it's just for maybe, let's say, 11, 12 minutes a night, that's 11 to 12 minutes that you've got something that's protecting the rim in addition to the the ball hawks that you have on the ball defensively in these guards. 
and I guess we need to, you know, address the the fact that Xavier did go down with an injury. Yeah. Uh, it appears that everything has gone well. First off, uh, how about Cal and just kind of how forward he was after the game uh, about what the injury was and, you know, come out and said, yeah, it's the same thing that he dealt with before the Blue-White game. Uh, he twisted his knee. I mean, usually it's it, it's a – oh, it's a it's – a, lower body extremity injury that you never get any actual context for what the injury is. We got an actual like diagnosis from coach Cal. Yeah. It's a twisted knee. Same thing that he did uh, before the blue white game where he missed a couple days of practice and then he ended up missing the blue white game. Um, so that was very refreshing. I love, I love that side of things. Uh, and then since then he went on radio with Alan Cutler and said uh, he thought he was going to be fine. So that it's a short term thing. I talked to, you know, people around the program. They said um, no concerns whatsoever about it being you know a long term thing. However, he's probably going to miss Thursday's game against Kentucky State. I don't know what, what that means uh, going into the regular season. But we talked about Case and Wallace. It's going to be time for Case to kind of step up and, and see what he can be as that primary one, the, the, the primary uh, lead guard there for a minute. Uh, the ball's going to be in his court. And, and Antonio Reeves, I talked to him today. Uh, he told me that that he was very confident as, as a primary guard as well. He played that at Illinois State. Uh, so those are going to be your two point guard options outside of uh, a do Thero. Uh, how are you feeling about that position in the both you know short term and long term, uh, assuming that things go uh, as planned, he can come well, back soon? Well, I think it's good that Kaysen's going to get those opportunities now, extended opportunities. I mean, obviously, you do not want someone to be injured and you want to be at full strength. But I think that getting those reps now is a big thing. And we also know that John Calipari has been prioritizing Kaysen at the one in these mm-hmm. practices leading up to the season. So you, you would think that Kentucky could kind of go in here and not miss a beat offensively and especially defensively and stuff with Kaysen around the one. Adu Thierro is probably going to get a lot more minutes in the second exhibition than what he did in the first exhibition due to Xavier being uh, injured. But good news that it's not anything serious. And I noticed when Xavier walked off the floor the other day at, or when he got helped off the floor, he actually told Cal, he said, I'm good. So that that kind of I, I could kind of see him nod to him and say I'm I'm okay, like it's yeah it's it's just it's it's still something but it's not anything I don't think it's anything serious so that's definitely good news but Kaysen getting those opportunities now I think is big because we know these non-conference matchups Michigan State you go through and you play UCLA Michigan Gonzaga they're going to need Kaysen at the one sum and I, I think that that's a guy that's going to look comfortable running that spot. Yeah, and I thought it was really cool. Cal said after the game, uh, when talking about Kaysen, said, yeah, look, uh, you know, Kaysen finished with nine points, three of ten shooting, one for four from three, uh, but he had seven rebounds. He had uh, two turnovers, which were admittedly on him, two two absolute mistakes on him, uh, but I liked seeing him play through those. He also adds two blocks and two steals in 29 minutes. Uh, Sean Cal singled him out and said, uh, this team needs more Case and Wallace's, that he wants all of his teams to have more Case and Wallace's. And that's what we said on this show time and time again. Uh, when he signed with Kentucky, that, you know, leading up to uh, this event, you know, this season, the events that we saw him play in, uh, we said over and over again that this is going to be a, a, gal, a guy that Cal is obsessed with, a guy that he uh, will, will really struggle to take off the floor because of everything that he does well. He said, look, he missed layups. He he wasn't great shooting. Again, he was three for ten in the field and one for four from from three. Yet he still did so much other stuff to impact the game. The cow went out of his way to say we need more guys like that. He in fact he said this is a man's game, and that's exactly what Kaysen is. I mean, it looks like a free safety back there. Kaysen's uh, uh, a guy who's going to play a lot of minutes this year for for Coach Cow. Yep he he is he is elite defensively. Uh, the missed layups and some of the shots, I mentioned that here in the opening, that I, I thought he missed some shots that he will definitely make here probably, let's say, three or four weeks from now. I think those shots start falling. Some of those ones in traffic, as he gets more comfortable, gets some more reps and gets some game experience, I think those will start to fall. Uh, so I'm not concerned about that. And the, the reason that I like Kaysen so much, and, and you, we talked about this a moment ago, the moment he went on the floor, it was evident how much better Kentucky got defensively. It, it picked up the entire unit as a group defensively the moment he stepped foot on the floor. And I think that that's going to be something that you're going to get every single moment he's out there is you're going to get an elite defender on the ball, an elite defender off the ball, and a guy that when he gets the ball, he has the ability to get a rebound and push, and he's so strong. 
he's going to be able to add some something offensively as well. And then that we've seen that shot over the course of the Bahamas and some uh, the blue white game and stuff. He's, he's going to knock down some open threes. And I love what he brings to this team offensively and defensively. Uh, the other kind of backcourt mate that he's going to have, especially uh, as we wait for Xavier Wheeler's return, uh, Antonio Reeves, he's going to get some reps there. He played point guard at Illinois State. Uh, he said that he's very comfortable at that position. Our first time really seeing him struggle, Sean. Uh, you know, he was MVP of the Bahamas, MVP of the blue-white game. I think he averaged 19 points a game in, in all five of those exhibition games. Uh, really incredible stuff from him that we've seen thus far. Uh, he really struggled shooting the ball five points, two of seven shooting, 0 for four from three, and then one for two from the line, which was surprising as well. Uh, goose eggs everywhere else outside of one steal uh, really didn't impact the game a whole lot, which is really different from from anything that we've seen leading up to this point. Uh, I talked to him a little bit, and, and he said that he uh, had some first game jitters, so that he was a little bit nervous at, at Rupp Arena. Said he, he said, I'll be honest, I was not expecting that many uh that many fans in the stands and uh you know he was like I felt good by the end of the game you know really just needed to knock off that rust so I'm definitely not concerned about him as a scorer I mean shoot, we've seen him we've seen him make shots we've seen him uh kind of at his best what he can be is that just flamethrower from deep and you know that elite three level score uh but it was interesting seeing him struggle and then him uh uh you know attribute that to uh some first first game jitters yeah, and that's why I'm not concerned about Kentucky putting up 56 in an exhibition is because we know that Reeves is going to have his moments where he's going to go on a heater on his own. Uh, we know he's going to get more comfortable. The shots I was talking about that Kaysen missed, I, I feel like Kaysen missed three or four shots that he will hit here in a couple of weeks. Uh, you add Oscar Sheboy back to the mix, you you get Savir healthy. Like Kentucky offensively will be just fine, and uh, – I think that this is going to be a team that's going to be fun to watch on that end of the floor as well. We we saw what they did in the Bahamas. We saw the way they looked in the uh, blue-white game. Uh, I kind of chalk up the 56 points to it's the first game against another opponent. It's in your building. What they did in the Bahamas was the Bahamas. This is now getting ready for the regular season. You're You're probably paying attention to detail on a lot of different areas. There was a lot going on some nerves being in Rupp Arena. Uh, I look for Kentucky to have a much better offensive performance on Thursday night than what they did on Sunday night. But the way that they stayed true defensively and stayed connected on that end of the floor, I thought was very encouraging. And on that note, Sean, really interesting comments from Cal this week. Uh, he set a, a specific number for the amount of points that he wants his team, this team to score this year. Uh, he said that this needs to be a team that scores 80 points per game. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that because only one Cal team uh, in his entire existence here at, at Coach Cal is at, at Kentucky, his entire tenure here, uh, only one team has surpassed that, and that was the Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, Bam Adebayo team who averaged 70, uh, 70 or 85 points a game. Uh, a couple others have, have come close. Last year's team averaged 79.5 points per game, so uh, it's not too far off from what you know they, that he was getting last year, and if you – factor in the upgraded positions that you would hope to think that, that Kentucky has, it's not crazy to think about, but 80 points is a lot of points. It's a lot of points. You're right. Uh, I think Oscar Sheboy hitting the offensive glass adds to that number. I think that that gives Cal some confidence there because we, we know Oscar's probably going to be accredited with what, four or five baskets a game that other guys just can't get just because he's going to get a hand on two hands on a rebound and stick it in. Uh, I think that this team is going to shoot the three ball better than last year, especially with C.J. Frederick. I think Antonio Reeves, Kaysen Wallace has shown the ability to hit that shot. Jacob Toppin shown the ability to hit that shot. Even to do the arrow, the times that we've seen him hitting the three-point shot. So I, I think the the pace that this team's going to play with, here's the, other, here's the other catch. Defensively, this team is going to turn you over with its backcourt and convert that in transition. I think that's another reason that John Calipari's thrown out that 80-point number it's actually when we Kentucky's defense that kind of fuels that number more so than what it was last year. Yeah, and he used those two stats actually uh, last year. He said that Kentucky averaged 14 offensive rebounds a game. Obviously, Oscar Sheboy was the reason for the majority of that, uh, and that he said that's uh, analytically uh, the the most efficient way to score points. He said if you get offensive rebounds, that's how you can really rack up those easy cleanup buckets. Uh, so you don't have that with Oscar Sheboy, but he did say. Uh, we, we can't use that as an excuse. However long Oscar's out, you know, you should still be able to to get offensive. You, you should still be able to clean up down there. 
against teams like Missouri Western. That like this should not have been a game where Kentucky only gets eight offensive rebounds. Uh, and I mean, shoot, Casein Wallace uh, had one of them. Jacob Toppin had three offensive rebounds, but nobody else had one uh, over one. So. Uh, that needs to be cleaned up and, and, and you know, clearly a point of emphasis for Coach Cal says so that's analytically the, the most efficient way to score points. So that's clearly something that he's driving home uh, in practice. And then he also brought up uh, transition points. Kentucky averaged 24 points per, per game in transition last year. That's a lot of points in transition. That's a, a, an up-tempo, fast, quick moving. I mean, w- remembering that Tennessee game at home um, uh, last year for, for Kentucky when they were just run and gun, they were knocking down shots. They were, I mean, moving, pushing the ball up. That was kind of the, the peak of last year's season. And uh, I think that's kind of the, the vision for Coach Cal. That's what he's hoping for. Uh, he wants this to be a team that rebounds the ball very well in, uh, on the offensive glass. And then uh, he wants the, the the tempo to be there too. Yep. And uh, I think that that's definitely a realistic thing that this team can do. Uh, I think Oscar Sheboy running to the rim. I think these guards getting out and run the break and transition. Like I said, C.J. Frederick, Antonio Reeves, stretching you out defensively with the ability to hit the three. Like, this is a team that's going to put up some points. Uh, now the thing that I'm paying attention to, not as much maybe on Thursday, but when you get into next week and, and some of those exhibitions and then definitely after champions, is there? I think there's some spots where you're paying attention to where does Kentucky go? One of it being who plays behind Oscar. Is it Lance? Is it Ugana? I, I don't know. Like that, I think that Cal's going to be able, like. There's two totally different players there, in Lance, and Ugana. So, I think that's an interesting storyline to watch through the remainder of the exhibition schedule into Monday, and then into uh, next week and into Champions. Is exactly what does John Calipari want behind Oscar Sheepway when Oscar comes back? Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest questions I had going into the exhibition, uh, you know, seeing who would emerge out of those two. I thought Ugo was the guy. I, I, you know, I think Lance did some cool things, but I, I think Ugana, uh, first opportunity to show kind of what he is and, and if, if he could be that guy, I think he did. Uh, so well, I think that's that, that's definitely something that I have my eye on going into Thursday as well. Well, to me, Lance is a guy that he doesn't hurt you. You put right. him in, he's not going to hurt you, but – Ugana is a guy that I think can kind of take your ceiling to another level just because of what he can add defensively at the rim. So I think that's the decision that Cal has to make here. And when it comes down to it is, is which one do you need? Do you need a guy that you trust that's not going to make mistakes, that's going to do his job and set good screens, rebound his position, or do you want to be elite defensively with the way you can pressure the basketball and switch some of these things one through four? Like I think that this is a basketball team that's going to be able to switch one through four. Jacob Toppin – all these guards, I think they're going to be able to jump switch and things on the perimeter. And then you throw a guy like you've gone in there for, let's say, just a couple of times a game just to protect the rim, give Oscar a break. Then you mix in Lance how you need it. Like the, He has options. That's the one thing that I'll say is uh, Cal's certainly not hurting for uh, for some options and stuff when it comes to rotation. Like he, He's got some tough decisions to make, but I think he that's the, that's the decisions you want, especially with a good basketball team. I guess we got to address a couple questions in here. Uh, about what Cal said today, the statement, the, the video that he put out talking, you know, about the season and this team. Um, e, e, E70-ish says, Cal is already saying we are no good right now. Why player of the year is back? When will he learn how to win in November? Um, we uh, we didn't peak in March last year. And then Titanium Titan, should we, we be worried about what Cal said and how they're not ready for those big games? Like we shouldn't expect to beat Gonzaga, in uh, Michigan and maybe Michigan State. Um, very interesting. I don't know if you saw what what Cal said today. Really different than some of the preseason addresses that we've seen from him in the past. Where you know usually it's I like this team. You know I, I'm I'm ready. Let's you know enjoy the process, enjoy the ride. I'm ready. Like, you know rah rah. We're we're coming for number nine this year. You know all that. Uh, a little different tone. You know he said be patient with this team. Understand that. Uh, we might have to, you know, take some early hits in, in November and December, which we don't typically hear from him. Um, you know, and still you don't want to do that. Yeah, you don't want to do that. So, just really, really interesting. I'm curious your well, thoughts on just kind of the, the message well, that he sent out. It, it's one of those things where I've also heard Cal say that he's excited about a team, and then it not turn out to go very well. Right. 
So, like, I, I don't know where the middle ground is there. Like, uh, is, is that John Calipari trying to kind of take some pressure off of his group? Is that John Calipari, in a sense, maybe challenging his group? I, I don't really know how to read it because we've we've been in this situation before and it's not played out the way Cal said it. And, I mean, specifically the 2020 year. I remember him saying some encouraging things about that team and it turned out the way that it did. So, I don't know. I'm uh, – I'm a little concerned, yes, because this is a schedule that's loaded with quad one opportunities in the non-conference in November and December. You want to win those as many as you can to kind of put yourself in a position to be a top three, top two seed possibly, especially with a regional in Louisville and stuff. Mm-hmm. You you want to make you want to take advantage of that and those opportunities, but I don't know. I, I want to see champions that's where i'm looking at like i think that champions classic game against michigan state that's where i'm not going to buy too much into what john calipari is saying until i see this team in action against a quality basketball team and i think that's our first opportunity really yeah i mean he said that the individual pieces sean are good enough he said that i love the uh, individual pieces that this team has and and it's about making sure the cohesiveness is there and kind of hitting on all firing on all cylinders in that regard um so that that interests me what what is it about this team right now that that uh isn't meshing the way i mean it might just be injured i mean it very well could be how much is it that the reigning national player of the year isn't in practice right now and getting these reps and going through things. And then you also have a Koozie award finalist from a year ago and a guy that's on the watch list, one of the top point guards in the country statistically that also is banged up right now. Like how much does that play in to, to what you're doing when you, cause those were the two guys that we talked about all off season. I don't know. I keep coming back to it. When you return your point guard and the numbers that Sabir's put up the last couple of years in the power five, and then you return the reigning national player of the year, the one and the five, Two most two of the most important spots on the floor, and now they're not at practice. You're probably seeing some things differently than what they're actually going to be here in about four or five weeks. What, so maybe is, that, in, and and that's where I'm wondering, like, is this just to take some pressure off of these other guys because it's forcing people into roles right now that probably are not going to be into those roles when you get into January. And that's why I love so much Kaysen making the mistakes that he did as the lead guard. I mean, he was, you know, dribbling the ball off of his leg and making, you know, difficult passes that weren't necessarily, you know, necessary. Uh, that's exactly what I'm looking for, Shauna. I want him to play through mistakes. I want him to figure his stuff out. Guys, you know, even guys like Ugana, guys like, uh, you know, uh, Antonio Reeves, who is not, he hasn't been in the spotlight before. He doesn't know what it's like to, to play a big game in March like this. You know, we know what we're going to get from, you know, even guys like CJ, who, you know, we haven't seen play in so long. And he started out the year really well. But, you know, when the bright lights come, he played in the, in the Big Ten at Iowa and he did really, really good things there. Uh, you know, I'm the, the younger guys, the, you know, the guys that haven't been in this position, Chris Livingston, you know, Cason Wallace, uh, Antonio Reeves, Adu Thiero, Ugana, those guys. I think there's some real opportunity for them to play this year. I don't know if it's going to be all of them or definitely some of them. Uh, and, and, you know, you you want to play through mistakes now so they're better for March. And going back to Connor Rigg uh, and his his statement, you know, he's underselling them so look better when they play well. I think it's a mix of what you said, Sean, and what, what Connor said. I think they want to kind of, you know, set the bar down just a little bit than what we've seen from him in the past where we have seen the, uh, you know, the COVID year where he said um, – you know, we got to do whatever it takes to make sure these games are played because this team's amazing and it would be a disservice to not play those games when really it probably would have been better for all of us if we didn't have to see those games. Uh, yeah. I think underselling a little bit, taking the pressure off of the young guys while knowing that when they're all together, it's a really damn good team. Yeah, and, and I'm actually kind of going with with what Connor's talking about there too. Like I, I just think that when you have the the key guy, and we know that these injuries aren't serious, which is good news, like we know, but Oscar will still work his way back in there. And, you know, Savir when he's ready to go. But we know Kentucky's not going to look like Kentucky until Oscar Shibway's on the floor. And we also know what Oscar Shibway can do. Like he's going he's gonna to add points to Kentucky. He's also going to add, like, take away points from the other team because he's going to grab every single ball that comes off the rim. Like, we know the impact that he's going to have. And I, I feel like but, – but Cal also got to see what Kentucky looks like with him leading up to the season. So, maybe that's why he's tempering expectations early 
but this is a team that a year ago, and, and I think that this is a thing when you have a veteran team and they're older, I think your, your, your peak comes a little bit sooner than what it would when Kentucky's built around freshman heavy teams. Like we know when they have a ton of freshmen and they have all the upside, we're always talking March, 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 March. Well, March last year happened in January in early February. Unfortunately, you, yes. you don't want that to happen again this year. And I just think that that's kind of the, the, the risk you run when you have a veteran team like that is the, they kind of hit their stride early and then you have injuries or something that kind of throws you off your rhythm. This team just needs to get healthy, stay healthy. I think they're going to be a good basketball team. I, I'm not concerned. I'm, I'm not putting a lot of stock in what I saw Sunday night because it's not Kentucky at full strength. I want to see Kentucky at full strength before I really start to judge them, especially uh, when we get into to November here and stuff and get into these ex, or at these exhibition games, get into the real games. Uh, game planning starts becoming a probably a bigger focus and things like that. Uh, I'm, I'm holding off on hitting the panic button after scoring 56 points in, a, in an exhibition. Like, I don't think that's going to happen again. Yeah, Brian Stewart says this team is still trying to figure out how to play with each other. It will take them several weeks to really mess as a team. Yeah, I, I think that that's I think that's exactly right. Yep, it will. Uh, I think that, and that's where the Bahamas. I think that they were able to play freely a little bit more because they they didn't have a ton of stuff in. We know that they had what maybe ten practices leading up to the Bahamas. Yeah. Listen, I, I can tell you, ten practices is not a lot. Like, you can get some stuff in, but we also now know that they've got a lot more of their system in and their philosophy, the way they want to do things, which puts a lot more on these guys to have to think and have to, to kind of operate and maneuver and go through. Uh, classes have started. There's a lot more factors into this, but I think that this will be a team that will get better and better each single time they take the floor. And look, this is why you play exhibition games. Louisville locks, lost an exhibition game to Lenore Ryan on Sunday. So I'm not going to complain about winning an exhibition game by 18 points. I'm sitting here. Lenore Ryan is like plays at LMU. They went 10 and 18 last year and lost by like 20 plus to LMU. Like it could be worse. I I I mean I was watching that game unfold, Sean, and I was I mean I was just baffled. I was like, this team is awful. I mean, Louisville's going to be very bad this year, Sean. It's, it's not going to be good. I, and it just goes back to what were they doing during the recruiting process of of rounding out that roster? They have one point guard on the team, and you know everybody was kind of waiting for that like aha moment this offseason where they were going to land that premier point guard or you know that go to guy. Oh, was DJ going to reclass and go you know play there because they were kept striking out, striking out, striking out. It was like. At some point, they got to land somebody, and then they just never did. And now we're seeing a well, team of. 13 wings and one point guard and and people are expecting you know Louisville fans are like you know what, what went wrong how how do we get to this point it's like if you look at the roster and how they were recruiting well you can see this from a mile away you could and and that's a team on Sunday that didn't just lose they lost by 10 and they were, by more than that. They were, they were getting crushed yeah and you knew not even midway through the second half that Louisville wasn't winning the basketball game. At no point did I feel like Sunday Kentucky wasn't going to win the game. No. I was like, okay, this is ugly. This is boring. Like the, this isn't going to sit well with fans, especially given the football loss on Saturday. Like it's going to be one of those things that you're probably just wanting to throw up when you watch it, but it's a win. They won. That's the exhibition schedule. It does not matter. Like this one Thursday night, it does not matter. It's all about working in some extra lineups, maybe looking at some things that you probably won't even look at when you get to Monday night. And it's just about figuring out how you're wanting to play. It's figuring out roles. And and we know that there's a couple of roles that will be set when Kentucky takes the floor on Monday. But for the most part, I think only 50% of it's set. I think that they're still trying to carve out roles and figure out, and Cal's going to give these guys opportunities to kind of seize control of what their job is and lose control of what their job is. Like we, we know that it's going to, it's going to go back and forth. We know there's nothing like the early non-conference up and downs. Somebody plays well one game and then somebody you don't see them for three games. Like we, we know how that works. And then that's the kind of the beauty of building a basketball team. And I think that that's what Kentucky's doing right now. Did you see uh, Connor Riggs said Jacob Toppin's reaction at Louisville losing was hilarious. Did you see that video? But I haven't seen that video. <laughs> so at media day, uh, I can't remember who it was. Uh, I asked, might have been Matt Sack actually, um, said something to the effect of, 
Uh, you know, who who are you most looking forward to playing? Is there a team on your you know on the schedule that you're most looking forward to playing? And he said, easily Louisville. Uh, that's a team that I'm very much looking forward to. Blah blah blah. And I think Matt said something like, you know, do you think they ducked you ducked Kentucky last season? Which they did, 100. They did. They canceled that game specifically for that. Anyway, uh, he he said, do you think Louisville ducked you guys? And uh, Jacob was like, yep, absolutely. I think 100 think they they ducked us. Uh, he was asked about the loss uh, after the exhibition game on Sunday, and Jacob Jacob Toppin just said didn't say anything. He just went. He shook his head. He had this smirk on his face, and it was like, oh man, that that is that's a one hundred percent classic. So yeah, he was he was trying not to laugh, but poor poor Louisville man. I mean, they're they're. I love Kenny Payne too, so I I think it's gonna be a very it's gonna be a rough year. Uh, very, I just hope I just hope they don't turn on him. You know, I don't think it'd be very fair of Louisville fans to know what they're, you know, what the what the roster is and, and what he has had to overcome on the recruiting trail because of previous administrations and their nonsense and uh, inabilities in in various regards. Uh, he was put in a really crappy position to to begin with. Now, do I think that he made some mistakes on on the recruiting trail and not adding specific guys? Absolutely, but. Uh, I think I think they should understand it's going to be an adjustment period, 100% for him, and I just hope they're patient enough to get to that that you know light at the end of their very dark, deep, long tunnel. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think patience with him is definitely needed. Need to give him some time, but uh, I mean, yeah, that, that's a game at Rep Arena that's probably not going to be competitive. Yeah, and I don't think there's anyone listening to this that would complain about that. If you can beat them by 40, you beat them by 40. If you Mm -hmm. can beat them by 41, you call timeout, you set something up, and you beat them by 41. (laughs) Anyway, uh, we have the Kentucky State game on Thursday. Uh, The biggest storyline that I was excited for, Sean, is taken away. I'm very upset about it. Uh, Chris Livingston's twin brother, Cordell, plays at – Kentucky State, and I was very excited to see them uh, matched up against each other. I asked Chris on on media day about how excited he is for that, and you know, just it, it's his first time playing against his twin brother ever because they've always been on the same teams. He was like, "Yeah, I think you know, a couple of camp settings that that you know, we just got put on different teams while we were at the same camp, but never in a competitive setting have they been against each other." Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And unfortunately, we still won't be able to see them go against each other, Sean, because uh, I reached out to the Kentucky State people, and they said that he is redshirting this year. Cordell uh, at uh, at Kentucky State, he's not even playing. So uh, we will not get the highly anticipated head-to-head battle between the Livingston Twins, but um, you know, so that that part sucks. I, I know that's not something they were looking forward to. Yeah, two Livingston boys playing in Kentucky, though that's kind of that's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I would I was looking forward to that as well. So uh, now what you're going into is you're you're looking at Kentucky State, and if you're John Calipari, you're probably circling some of those things that you struggled with in the exhibition opener, and you want to see those things go to another level. And you're you're looking for improvement right now. You're looking for some guys that maybe didn't play as well to play well and the guys that played well to sustain it and continue playing well mm-hmm. that I think that's what that's all you're looking for in the exhibition schedule is some consistency that way when you get to Monday you're not trying to break things in in game one mm-hmm. and and that's that's what this exhibition schedule is about that's why I, I never overreact to the exhibition schedule yeah because you can't like uh, you, you just you're taking it one game at a time, and you're just trying to get ready for Monday, and then Monday's trying to get ready for the next game, and then before you play Michigan State here, uh, two weeks from today, actually, uh, the Champions Classic in Indianapolis. We know Kentucky's got to be ready to go. That's a Michigan State team that's played a private scrimmage against Tennessee in Thompson Bowling Arena. And uh, what do you think about that, John Calipari, talking about you know all the the, the big time programs playing one another? And some things. I, I think that's something that would excite me a lot more than Kentucky facing Kentucky State or 
Missouri Western. Like, I, I think that that's something that you would like to evaluate as a program. I mean, Tennessee beat Gonzaga by 19 points the other night. Yeah, so like, Connor, like, he said he, he commented thoughts on Tennessee beating Gonzaga by 19. So throw, throw your thoughts in there as well. Well, it's it's one of those things, like I said, you don't overreact because I didn't watch that game. I don't know if you watched it. I don't, I'm not sure how many people, you know, paid to see it, but I'm sure some Tennessee and Gonzaga fans did. But uh, that that's a Tennessee team that I would expect to be very good. Like like I said, you you play Michigan State in your building on a Sunday with no one watching other than your team personnel, and then you go play Gonzaga. So who's ready to play when the season starts? Mm-hmm. Is it Tennessee? Is it Kentucky? Like that's that's what you look at, and that, I think that that's the thing that you want to see. If Kentucky decides to to do some things like that in the future, it only helps your program to to yeah. play quality teams. You you partner, get with a get with a team, and you go to them one year. They come to you one year, and you close the doors and just have your team personnel in there. That that's where you get better. Not playing in these exhibition games. These exhibition games are just kind of getting your system and and some things in there and and kind of working yourself against another opponent, but. Anytime you can line up and play a quality opponent like Michigan State or Gonzaga or somebody like that, even when it, it doesn't matter, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm sure Mark Few is not concerned that his team lost by 19 points to Tennessee in a, in a scrimmage. Like, because yeah. I'm assuming Mark Few did some things differently that he probably won't do in two weeks. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, and I appreciate Cal's openness about it after the game. He was asked and he said, yeah, look, I, I understand the value that it brings to have these exhibitions at our house. And, you know, he said, look, it's, it's about money. He was like, you know, I appreciate the, you know, just from a, uh, you know, respect standpoint for division two programs and, you know, how much it means to them for those buy games, because it is, I mean, it, financially it, it, it does a lot for those programs. Uh, and, you know, it, it puts butts and seats at Rupp arena. It's, it's, it's a, you know, put, for jobs, you know, around the UK facilities and all that. I, I see the point on Kentucky's end why you would want to continue to host them at, at Rupp Arena with fans. However, from a competitive standpoint, Cal also made it very clear, I would much rather, he was like, and the exact quote was, I love those Division two, these the Division two schools and helping out however I can, but I love this program more and I love my team more. And he said, he said, at the end of the day, I need to, you know, put my team first, and it's a conversation that we need to have. Um, so, that's, I, he, made, he, made right very, he made it very clear that that's that's a change that's going to happen. Yeah, that that's saying the right thing. Like you, you want to. I mean, that's the end goal here is to to make your team better and better prepared. And like, here here's the thing. So, you know, Cal's comments today talking about you know some things here in the non conference and how difficult it's going to be and and stuff well how much better prepared are you if you play a michigan state or you play an elite program a couple of times in the preseason you're probably more ready for that champions classic game like right now is michigan state more geared up and ready to play a team like kentucky or is kentucky more geared up to play a team like michigan state i'd i'd argue michigan state's more prepared yeah just given when it comes to competition it yeah. doesn't mean that michigan state's the better basketball team kentucky may still win that game but when it comes to being, you know, repped and things like that, when you're going against elite guys that have the athleticism, the caliber that your guys have, that's only making you better. Yeah, and uh, I think, you know, the conversation of summer basketball as well, that that's clearly going to be a change that happens uh, moving forward where we're going to see instead of the one per four-year foreign trip exhibition tours, that we're going to get every single summer – August basketball was going to be on SEC Network. Kentucky's going to play Tennessee. They're going to play Gonzaga. They're going to play Kansas. They're going to do, you know, scrimmages that are going to be live on television. Uh, and that's going to be kind of a new, you know, revenue revenue opportunity for, you know, broadcasting. And, you know, I don't know if they're going to host, you know, have, have players in the arenas for them. But uh, that's clearly going to be a new opportunity for preparation and things like that. We saw how much it, it helped this team with the Bahamas trip this year. Uh, we're we're going to get that kind of, you know, multiplied by 10 with, with getting actual real competition uh, in those same months and, and have it be a consistent thing every year. So very much looking forward to that. Um, appreciate Cal's comments on that and, and, you know, acknowledging that it is necessary because we are seeing all these other schools uh, making it happen. So, 
Uh, Kentucky certainly needs to do that as well. Uh, let's you know start to wind down here, Sean. Uh, Kentucky State on Thursday. What are you individually looking for? What are your kind of big takeaways and and, and keys to the game for Kentucky? And just you you said guys that were struggling, maybe um, that you know kind of turn things around for them and guys who had success to, to sustain that. Who individually are you looking for uh, to to show out uh, against the Thoroughbreds? I'm looking at Antonio Reeves. I want to see him have a better offensive performance. Case uh, and Wallace, some of those shots I was talking about, like it's it's the shots inside of eight, nine, ten feet. Like those are the ones that I want to see him him connect on. I want to see CJ Frederick continue to build that confidence, not just in his game, but in his health. You just stay healthy and, and shoot the three ball. And uh, Chris Livingston, I think I want to see him do some 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 good things there and and things as well, but. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see what the rotations like with Lance and Ugana. Like I, I want to see after game one, and you get some tape. What does Cal see on that film that maybe does Lance get more run? Does Ugana get more run? Like who are you going to use when it comes down to let's say there's no Oscar Sheboy for some reason? Like who are you going to use in game one? Like or what's the role going to be behind Oscar if 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 Oscar is available for game one and. And then how does Kentucky play for 40 minutes with no Sauvier Wheeler? Like, what is the, the backcourt rotation like? You you would think you'd get some lineups now that feature an Antonio Reeves and a C.J. Frederick together. And that's what I want to see. I want to see the, the two shooters on the floor creating some space offensively with Jacob Toppin at the four, Kaysen at the one, and then whoever you go with there at the five. I think that's the thing that I'm looking for the most is just what does Cal decide to do because it's crunched. You have no Oscar. You have no Wheeler. It's forcing you to play some guys more minutes than what you would. Does a Duthiero take advantage of that opportunity and get more run and look like the Duthiero we saw in the Bahamas and the blue-white game? Because I think that's a guy, if you put him on the floor, he's going to do good things. I think he's going to carve out a role on this team, and I, maybe this is where it starts. I mean, Adu has been sensational. He, he, he was really, really good. Um, it just And like you said, Cal's biggest argument with him is that he just couldn't shoot. And now every setting that we're seeing him, he's knocking down shots. He went one for two uh, in this one. I think he made a couple shots from deep in the blue-white game. It's like if he's now making threes on top of the other physical drives and drawing fouls and, you know, getting the rebounding, the rebounding and, and, you know, steals, getting, getting you know, uh, opportunities in transition, all of those things that he was already doing really well, if he's now making – shots on top of that it's like what excuse do you have to not play this kid yep you i think that this is a game that he's got to get north of 20 minutes because i want to see him play like i want to see what he does in extended minutes and i want to see what that stat line looks like if he's playing 21 22 minutes because i think that that he, he's a guy that can help you with his body he's going to rebound his position he's going to guard his position we've seen him get to the rim and the, the biggest takeaway for me is I've seen it now for five games, six games, if you count the blue-white game. He will make an open shot. And that was the one question mark surrounding his game coming to Kentucky that we didn't know about was, is this kid a good enough shooter to play? Is he going to play immediately? Is this a two- or three-year guy kind of building his way into the rotation? Every time I've seen him, I think he looks like one of the better guys on the roster in the back. Like, there, there, were, there were times the other day that I thought he looked better than Savir. I mean, the physicality, the aggression, the will to win and, and just kind of throwing his body. He plays with such reckless abandonment, Sean. That's like it's just oddly refreshing to see a kid go in there and just say, I'm going to go make plays like I know I'm going to make mistakes. I know that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to make every shot that I take, but you will never question, you know, the the effort and the will to win that I that I bring to the table. And that's that's what that that's why I think he's going to play. I mean, I just do. His size helps him a ton. Like, I mean, it helps him a ton. And, and not just his height and his arms and his length. It's his body size in general. Like he's strong. Yeah. He's one of those, to me, one of those Memphis guys that Cal had. Yes. Just that's yeah. what that's what he looks like to me. And a guy that as he continues to develop and grow into that body even more. And and that's another thing that stands out to me. Not just about Adu, but Jacob Toppin. Jacob Toppin doesn't even look like the same human being in a Kentucky basketball jersey as he did two years ago. Mm-hmm. The The development of the bodies and stuff in this program and even more recent in the last six or seven months has been incredible. Like these guys, C.J. Frederick, 
they just look stronger and healthier. And I think that's another thing that's helping CJ right now is that lower body is probably the strongest it's ever been. And, and a note on that, because I, I meant to say this earlier when we were talking about CJ, he, we talked to him after the game and, you know, asking about health and just, you know, how do you feel? Uh, you know, hopefully it won't be long before we don't even have to ask you these questions anymore because you are so healthy and things like that. Uh, he said, you know, it's really weird. I feel like today, talking that game, he said, I felt like today was the easiest thing I've done since I've gotten here. And he yeah. was like, because Man, that's a big one. he said, because practice is so much harder and it's so much more physical and it's so much more back and forth sprinting and, you know, working on agility and working on all these different things, you know, mobility and all that. He's like, when I'm in the game, it's not that much movement. It's not that much, you know, quick turn, you know, left, right, you know, up and down, you know, he's, he's moving, he's constantly moving, looking for shots. We saw him do that, but it's a different type of moving uh, instead of, you know, the quick lateral back and forth stuff. Uh, and, and the fact that he is saying, it, it almost feels like we got past the the difficult part with him. Just just you know how 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 difficult practices the off season work leading up to the season and, and all of that. We got past that. Now the head to head scrimmaging is going to die out during the regular season. It's going to be just more you know walkthrough based things and things like that. Uh, so I, I think all things considered, this is all good news that he's feeling as comfortable as he is, and he's going out of his way to say, yeah, this game was easier than anything that I've done so far, and he looked as good as he did doing it. Yep. Every every time he took a shot the other day, I thought it was going in. And, I mean, the numbers kind of reflect that. They all, it, it almost did go in every single time. But his, his willingness to defend, his ability to take care of the ball and value possessions, I thought he moved very well the other night on the defensive end. I thought he moved very well in transition. He looks healthy, and I think that that's a massive thing for for this team is to to get that wing score out there that can stretch you out defensively, but also value possessions and guard his position as well. Yeah, Cal called him a special player, and I I can't disagree. I mean, he's he defends, he makes the right reads, he he passes well, he you know runs the floor well, he always moves, uh, just he and then he's you know one of the best shooters in college basketball. So. All things considered, a whole lot to like about CJ. Very excited for him to be back on the floor. Uh, going through a couple of the comments. Titanium Titan, do you think uh, Wheeler will be back for Gonzaga? Absolutely, I do. There was another question earlier about Oscar. Will uh, Sar- Sergeant Wu says, is uh, Oscar playing the opener? Yes, uh, I, I've heard that he will be. Uh, he will not miss any games. He told us at, at Media Day. Um, he said at Media Day, I will absolutely be back by then. But just also hearing from people behind the scenes, heard nothing but positives. No, He'll be it, back. It'd be interesting to see if if what well, how many minutes he plays mm-hmm. in that opener. Like that's that's where I was getting at earlier about rotation wise is you know who plays some minutes that Oscar might have to give up early because mm-hmm. to me the main thing is to have Oscar ready to go for champions. For like sure. that's that's where you want him. You want you want him to get him in there, but you want him really ready to go that night they play Michigan State. Yeah, yeah. And even if it's you know just limited minutes, get his feet wet, you know, legs under and things like that. I think that's a great idea for him to make sure he's ready for that. You know, Michigan State's always a physical, uh, you know, tough, tough team. I think that's going to be what they are this year as well. Um, So you definitely want to get him ready for that uh, opportunity. Make sure that we didn't miss any other comments. Um, Alan, I think we need more big, thick guys inside. Skinny and fast is great, but we need both. I think Oscar is clearly 6'9", 260-ish pounds, 7% body fat. I think he's just fine in that regard. Ugo, you know, 6'11", 7-foot-ish, 210-ish pounds. I think he's um, I think he's filling out very nicely. And then, you know, Blair, I think he's grown. Cal kind of put it on him to be 240 pounds. He's already up to 233, Sean, so I, I like how Lance looks as well. It uh, definitely doesn't bother me as much, uh, for sure. Um, uh, a couple questions earlier on about DJ Wagner. Don't want to get into a whole bunch of recruiting stuff because we are you know, running late and we, we do got to get out of here. Um, DJ will be committing uh, during the early signing period as of right now. Um, still all things Kentucky. Um, I've heard that they're just you know kind of working out the – logistics of all of that and getting it planned, but uh, nothing but good news in that regard. And uh, I am expecting that to be maybe, I don't think it'll be by next show that we do, Sean, uh, but maybe the one after that, we'll most certainly be talking about that as a, as a post signing day uh, thing. So very much looking forward to that. Um, I think that wraps up 
all of the questions that we had and perfect uh, right at the hour mark. So let's go on and get out of here, Sean. Where can fans find your work? Fans can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and they can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter as well at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next Tuesday right here on the KSR YouTube page at maybe 8 p.m., maybe 7 p.m. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out, but I'll keep you all updated. We'll be back right here. Uh, we'll see you then. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.